This podcast is brought to you by Yostmark Mountain Equipment, offering expert advice on gear for powder and the backcountry, located at the corner of Ski Hill Road and 3rd Street in Driggs, and by Three Rivers Ranch Outfitters, offering winter trip planning services and selling gear from Patagonia, Orvis, Hatch, Rio, Sims, and more, located just east of the corner of Ski Hill Road and Highway 33 in Driggs. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Get Out, the podcast, produced by the Teton Valley News. I'm Scott Stunts. If you don't know who I am, I'm a new reporter at the Teton Valley News here in Driggs, Idaho. I just moved to the valley and so far I've met a lot of people who know a ton about the outdoors and I thought it'd be cool to let other people from around the Teton Valley and hopefully far outside of it hear from those people. So that's what this podcast is, a place to hear about issues that affect life in the outdoors, like environmental issues, looks at new gear, and most importantly, discussions on the questions that are raised by being active in the outdoors. Today, we deal with kind of a big question, risk. In recent months, two people have died in avalanches, one in Jackson and one here in the Teton Valley. Like I said, I'm new here and people feel differently about risk in different places. Like in Alaska, where one of the more famous examples of the line between the draw of the backcountry and the risks that go along with it took place. Christopher McCandless went into the Alaskan wilderness seeking enlightenment and ended up starving to death in the back of an abandoned bus. His story was told in the book Into the Wild. Check it out if you haven't already. In a recent article in Outside Magazine about McCandless, there was a line that sort of sparked my idea for this episode. The author Diana Savrin wrote, Much of the polarization surrounding McCandless stems from a divide in people's beliefs about what justifies risk-taking in the backcountry. In Alaska, it's generally considered acceptable to invite risk while making a living off the land, fishing, hunting, logging, mushing, trapping. It's less acceptable to take chances in search of a more philosophical way of life. Today's show is not about Christopher McCandless, but I do mention him later on. It is, though, about risk in the backcountry. I talked to two longtime Teton Valley ski guides about what is okay to risk your life for and what makes some people want to take that risk. All right, let's get into it. All right, so... My guests are Lynn Wolf, who's been a mountain guide in the Tetons for 26 years, is an avalanche educator and editor of the Avalanche Review, and Josh Parker, who's been skiing for 13 years, is a local ski guide and a member of a hotshot crew. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, you betcha, Scotty. Hi, Scotty. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that sort of the thing that sort of got me thinking about this was that you know I'm kind of new to the valley, and we had two avalanche deaths not too long ago. And, you know, it's one of those things that I think where I came from, from the Midwest, sort of the attitude about what is acceptable to sort of risk your life for is kind of different than here. I mean, have you found that, you know, I don't know where you've lived in different parts of your life, but is the attitude around sort of, you know, what is okay to, you know, what's an acceptable risk? Is it different here than other places you've been? I think that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I guess in my experience, I haven't lived in that many other cultures so I don't know how accurately I could speak about that so it's always sort of been your normal thing you know this has been because so where did you grow well, up? I sort of grew up in this environment to an extent um, I grew up in West Virginia but I moved here at, at the age of 19 to pursue climbing and skiing and and so you know in regards to people taking more risk here I, I, I don't I don't think that would be accurate as it pertains to being in a mountain environment. Yeah, I guess I meant maybe more mountain environment versus other environments, not this area 
is different than any other mountain community? I think the people that choose to move here, maybe not necessarily the people that grew up here, they make a very conscious choice that I want to be in the mountains, even though I really understand that the consequences are potentially higher. That for me, for my life, the rewards are commensurately higher to go with those consequences. And I think I see a lot of curiosity and a lot of hunger for knowledge among well, the smart people, <laughs> the ones that survive, about I want to know every element of the risk equation. I want to know how to manage it. And I think that that takes some time. And, you know, like Barbara will say, you know, sometimes we learn the, the hard way and sometimes we learn the really hard way. Exactly. I mean, you get to learn a lot by being successful, but you certainly get to learn a lot more by uh, stumbling or some of those mistakes. And, and this might be, you know, a little close to home, but have you lost friends, you know, because of that sort of miscalculation? Have you lost friends to avalanches or, you know, climbing accidents or things like that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Both of us have, and we remember them very vividly, and I think that that's, I can speak for myself at least, that that's affected my risk tolerance. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. You know, I mean, it's something that not only does it impact you on a personal level, you see the way that it impacts the community, you see the way that it impacts people's families, and yeah, I mean, if you didn't necessarily have pause going into it, you know, without your eyes open before something like that happens, you, you certainly do. Uh, and and on. oh, sorry, you're fine. Go I was going to say, and have you had that sort of, you know, what you think is an acceptable level of risk change as you've gotten older? You know, and I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, you, I think you... it's, I think it's a natural evolution. You know, I can certainly remember, um, you know, my ambitions and my goals when I was younger. Are, are a little different than they are now. You know, I was very driven to maybe even understand what those limits are. You know, what are your capabilities? What can you recognize as likelihood? What can you recognize as the potential consequences? Um, but maybe you sort of get close enough to the edge to realize that, hey, <clears throat> this is great, but perhaps I'd like to do this until I'm a lot older than I am now. Like even my age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not even, not just Lynn's age, but, you know. Davy Agnew's age. Yeah, yeah, what's, what's 20, 30, 40 years from now? It seems like a very specialized, you know, mindset to do this sort of thing. Do you have family and friends from maybe other parts of the country or who aren't active in the outdoors who maybe don't understand it? Or, I mean, do you ever have any awkward, like, Thanksgiving Day conversations? You know, I mean... Specifically with my family and even my extended family, I mean, thankfully they they understand and 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 appreciate what I get out of the experience. And I guess you know what I mean. I I didn't necessarily make the best choices growing up, either. Uh, and so I think they're happier to see me making choices that allow me to be very happy and allow me to feel um, successful and and alive. Um, even if they don't fully understand it. You so know, you've maybe. had maybe not disapproval, but you've had maybe a little lack of understanding when you talk to certain well i think the nuances of it for sure but at the same time you know even for example if my father doesn't fully understand it he was still there you know feeding me stories of adventure as a child you know so adventure isn't necessarily foreign but it's just your the form nuances of, of of you know 
what it actually means to be in the mountains, sure. You know. Well, and I'm a nice Southern Jewish girl, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. So this whole, like, Southern Jewish girl as avalanche expert and mountaineer is um, highly entertaining to the Jewish community back in Nashville, Tennessee. And, but they, they, they think I'm sort of a clinical aberration, um, but they're all fascinated by what I do. You know, I'm, I'm sort of their, their, a little bit of their local hero, you know, because I do things that they see in the movies. And, you know, at 53 year old, three years old, my mother still tells me, now you be careful, right. you know, when I'm going off to teach an avalanche class and I right. have to, you know, completely straight face, be like, yes, ma'am, I will be, don't worry. So, yeah, they don't understand, but they don't understand the specifics, but they understand risk. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think for me, it was kind of, uh, I read this article the other day about, you know, Into the Wild, like the, sure. the book. Yeah. Um, about how there's sort of like Into the Wild groupies, almost, where people have been flocking to the bus to, oh, you know. I saw that article, yeah. And there was a line in it where the, the author was saying how, you know, people who live in Alaska, they think risk in your life in the backcountry is fine as long as it's, you know, hunting or logging or basically like your job. Sure. You know, and the people that go there for sort of, I think, I think she said more philosophical reasons, that's where the disconnect is. That's for me what's sort of interesting is, you know, I grew up in a farm which is not as romantically adventurous but there definitely is lots of risky things and Absolutely. you know things that could kill you in unexpected ways and that risk was always fine growing up because that's how my dad made a living but then when you do something for a lot of people would say for fun that's when that sort of disconnect so, so i think I, I mean this is something that i think is somewhat interesting right because in the summertime i work on a hotshot crew i'm a lead sawyer on a hotshot crew which means that one of the specifics to my particular job is I'm going to go in and assess fire-weakened trees, try to find problem trees, and try to put them on the ground safely to then allow the crew to come in and work behind me, right? Now, it's a really complicated matter to try to compare working in wildland fire to working in the mountains. They're very similar in lots of regards, but there's different specific hazards. And, and I feel... If something were to happen negatively to me on the fire line versus being in the mountains that on at least some part of my conscience feels like it would be more acceptable <clears throat> where I'm working in my my really bread and butter profession which is fighting fire yeah. and earning a living for my my family and for myself and that's you know I think that's along the lines of what you're what you're talking about and it's yeah. and it's weird to feel that because you, you can't really make the risk go completely away on either side. And I think maybe is part of it what's de what's deemed necessary? Yeah, necessarily, that... ne necessary and then also sort of socially acceptable, right? So if I'm skiing in the steeps, um, say in Grand Teton National Park, you know, I, I'm I'm doing it entirely on my own free will to, you know, I like the process. I like the reward of having a goal and having the opportunity to attain it. But it's a lot more nuanced in the sense that being able to travel through a mountain landscape and have the freedom to breathe in that air and talk with your partner is an unbelievably rewarding experience. Um, and, and, and in many ways, that's a heck of a lot more rewarding than 
being hot and sweaty and sucking down smoke and ash with a bunch of sweaty dudes all summer. Um, I would much rather spend time in that environment and expose myself to hazard in that environment. So I don't know how much of that is coming from the social context of, well, you know, he's just out there freelancing and having a good time. Versus... Is it almost like an assumption of almost like a little bit of selfishness where they say he's doing that for his own? You know, that's why I said before where the distinction is, oh, he's out there having fun. It's almost seemed like as a avenue to an enjoyment. So it's not as acceptable to risk, you know, for enjoyment rather than money, I, I guess. It's complicated socially, but you could turn the question right right back around and say, well, what what is wrong with having fun and exploring the concept of happiness if those rewards allow you to be, you know, lead a more enriching life that you're then able to share with your community and the people that you love. But I still don't want to die and have them say, oh, she was doing what she loved. You know, I, I, want, to, I want to make better choices than that. And if that means that I have to pull the plug and turn around or back off or choose mellower terrain, then so be it. You know, I'm not going to be the one that's going to push the line. And I'm not, I'm going to be the one who says, and this is what I say as, as a work risk tolerance with my clients, as well as on a personal level, that the summit is optional, but the parking lot is mandatory. You know, I got to make it back in one piece. And I must say that, you know, I certainly have different professional risk tolerances, you know, things that I'll do with students on an avalanche class or clients on the Grand Teton, you know, than things that I'll do with partners. And one thing we haven't talked about, and you've alluded to a little bit, Josh, but is the real joy that comes from working with a good partner. And Josh is one of my favorite ski partners, as is my husband, Dan Powers, because they have this ability to do what I call the Zen Smackdown. You know, the what, Zen Smackdown? The Zen Smackdown, where they're like, Lynn, your feet are cold and you're not making good decisions. And they kind of bring you, like, wake you up. If Lynn's Just feet as are cold, as cold feet. Cold feet. Cold feet says, let's get out of here. Yeah. Really? Well, yeah, sure. And that's that's the thing that our systems and our good partners have to bounce us out of is this human factor. You know, you can dig yourself a hole and you can you can make something be, you know, green when in fact it's red, you know, because you want it to be. Maybe it fits your schedule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's what good human good good partners are about is helping you bypass that human factor. When did you know that? I know because you moved here when you were like nineteen, right? Yeah. So when did you move to this area, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, when I was twenty. So you know, it seems like you, and you stayed here once you moved here. I've been around the Greater Yellowstone ecosystem huh? since '81. You know, I've worked in various other places but this is this is home you know and i know you're at a young age and sometimes it's tough to put your your brain back into how you were thinking back then but was there an experience that you had or a moment where you're like yes this is what i this is what i want to do this is where i want to live this kind of lifestyle yeah absolutely yeah. i mean do you remember it's that sort of a, or is it one of those series of them yeah i mean, I mean some examples were 
you know, after the resort closed in probably 2001, you know, really, truly linking my turns in powder snow <laughs> as the sun was setting on a pair of old Yosmark mountain noodles and just sort of having this aha experience and, you know, essentially saying, I, I think I want to try to do this for the rest of my life. Well, I, and I, I have to credit Knowles. You know, I went and took a Knowles semester when I was, mm, 81, so I was 19, 20 years old, and uh, I'd spent a bunch of time in college and in Tennessee being like, ugh, I don't like this. I don't want to be here. I, ugh, this is not where I want to be. This is not what I want to be doing. And I came out and took the semester, and I had a whole series of affirmations. Wow, this is an amazing community. This is the sort of conversations I want to be having, you know, and... You know, we've talked about this, about hanging out with people and in places who talk about things that matter. Yeah. Have you, you know, over the years you said you've had some friends who have passed away due to different avalanches or things like that, and I'm guessing you've had some close calls. You know, is there any moment where you ever doubt that decision, that this is the lifestyle that you want? You know, I think that, I think of my friends who live in cities who get their cars broken into and who die in wrecks on the highway. You know, I, I, I think that the all of these environments are what we call wicked environments, you know, where there's so much uncertainty and unpredictability that, uh, you know, choose your wicked environment. And this is, this is the one that I choose, and I choose all the... You know, the dirt and the dust and the, the hair and the fur and, you know, everything that comes along with it. And I really embrace that. And then to sort of add on to that a little bit, and it, it gets complicated, right? If, if I wasn't able to have this as an outlet, what would, be my, what would my outlet be? Bowling? Softball? And not to belittle those things at yeah. all for anybody that enjoys them, but I don't know if that would be enough. So... What, you know, what dark path could that potentially lead to if I was always searching for a way to fill my cup? Well, we're, we're lucky, actually. And we're lucky, some of it's luck, but some of it's the power of making difficult choices and being willing to live with those, once again, the consequences, yeah. Yeah. you know? The first time that I lost somebody that was truly close to me, as a result of being in the mountains, you know, I, I did question my question that to a degree, um, but only because it was the only identity that I've ever known or the only lifestyle that I've ever known. And I sat with it for a long time. I mean, I contemplated, you know, buying a van and going on a bowling road trip across a part of the country that I'd never been to before, which would include like Texas and the Gulf States. And the reality was, is that I chose to just kind of come back and and look at the mountains with a different set of eyes and, and and I found it to be completely soothing and completely rewarding. You know, and, and really on a on a different level in a sense where I felt a, maybe even a little more responsibility to uh help uh, impact other people or or sort of spread the message of, you know, trying to stack the deck in your favor, you know, if you don't really fully understand the consequences. Well, or and even if you do want one, well, no, I am, I am, I am. And I'm just, I was just kind of waiting for a gap there because I know where you're going with this because it's, 
it's what makes it okay for people who have kids to go out and people who are afraid to go out. It's like, look, there's, there's always terrain that you can go into when the avalanche danger is high. And that's just the example because I've been teaching a lot of avalanche classes mm -hmm. and that you can get a lot of joy out of being in the mountains without going to that edge. And Is really, that a lesson that it took you, you know, when you were younger, it took you a while to learn that particular lesson that you didn't need to push yourself all the time? I, I have more boundaries now. There's less that I'm maybe physically able to do and so it makes me a better educator you know I gain a lot of joy out of skiing moderate angled powder you know like hey this was the and I and I'm really comfortable with like hey this is the right choice for today you know I don't feel this like you, you guys know what I mean by FOMO this fear of missing out right, right. and and I don't have that Right. anywhere near as much as I used to like right. oh I'm not in the magazines you know right. I'm not I'm not breaking ground I'm not somebody you know I'm not sponsored it's like so what you come back home at the end of the day you've skied some good snow you've hung out with your buddy you've been outside awesome I think I think we can leave it there I mean yeah. Josh, Lynn, thank you very much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to our very first episode, and thank you again to Lynn Wolf and Josh Parker. Please let us know what you thought of the show on our Facebook page or on our website. You can find Get Out the Podcast on SoundCloud, where we post a new episode every Wednesday. You can also check us out on our website, tetonvalleynews.net. I'm Scott Stunts. 